warm welcome to all my listeners, my family, my friends. As always, the music is courtesy of the amazing country legend, my good friend Bobby Mackey, and this is a song that I have not played on here before. I'm going to touch on this song in just a moment. I'm, of course, your host, Tessa Morrow. Thank you so much for stopping by and letting Paranormal Prowlers podcast be part of your day. First of all, I just must say, it's the most wonderful time of the year. I'll keep the singing to the singers, just like Bobby Mackey. But, you know, it truly is the most wonderful time of the year, you guys. It is October, baby! Happy October! Not only is this my birthday month, so I go a little woohoo crazy, but it's my favorite month ever. It really is. You know, the heat is kind of going away. The colors, they're changing. You know, I took a drive the other day through a couple of Colorado's gorgeous passes. And oh my God, those colors are sure vibrant. Red, green, yellow, orange. And it's pumpkin spice season, folks. (laughs) Yeah, I'm one of those. So, you know, I'm ranch sitting for my mom. So that means I have access to not only clucking hens in the background and miniature horses neighing at the other side. So if you hear sounds, that's what it is. But I have access to a beautiful wood burning stove. So guess what? Every single night before I hit that sack, I get a nice roaring fire going. I don't know what it is, but to me, I just, I, there's something about having a fire going in the background, watching a movie or reading a good book or <clears throat> listening to a spectacular podcast. Speaking of podcasts, this episode, it's dedicated to a very, very special person, a dear family friend. When I had my radio show, one of the first people that I brought on as a guest was a dear family friend a wonderful man named Dave Blagg. Blagg, as we lovingly called him, he was a hero. And I'm not kidding around. Throughout his 35 years with the fire department, he has helped the community in so many ways. He saved many lives. He started as a firefighter in Pueblo, Colorado in 1972 He became a medic in 1976, and you know what, you guys? He worked hard and proved himself so much so as an important part of the fire station that he became captain in 1985, and he served the city of Pueblo tall and proud until he retired in 2007. A few months ago, back in May, he passed away, and... It was actually in the works that we were going to record a second interview for the podcast. I texted him and, you know, whenever I'd come to home to visit, we'd go hang out on the boat. And one of those times I asked him, hey, are we going to do this? Are you going to be on the podcast? And he's like, of course. And then I texted him and we again agreed to do this. But sadly, we never got to. And I am so grateful that I got to have him on the radio show and then I recorded every single show just like I do every podcast and I had it saved away. So I knew that I wanted to share our first and only interview from a few years ago. I wanted to not only add our special conversation, which includes talking about the haunting 
goings on at a firehouse that he worked at and one that I had the honor of investigating a couple times, but I wanted to make this special tribute episode dedicated to my dear friend, David Blagg, a man who has been friends with my dad since their middle school eight days. I, I don't know how old they were, but I remember one time after my grandma had passed, we had found some of these old like school brochures and I just remember watching them looking at these brochures and laughing and looking at the pictures and it was just really really cute (laughs) I just really enjoyed that that was actually I believe like a year or two ago the song you heard at the beginning of this episode was made by Bobby Mackey with the help of his beautiful wife, Denise, specifically for this tribute. So there's a little story behind this. When I went to Bobby Mackey's Music World in Wilder, Kentucky, a place that I've always wanted to go to and a place that I want to go back, and I will someday, hopefully this coming year, I had the honor and the privilege not to only watch Bobby Mackey perform on stage, but I got to spend time with Bobby and Denise Mackey in the VIP room where they really made me feel like VIP, where we laughed We shared stories, we talked music, he talked about getting Bobby Mackey's music world and what it's become and just so much more. And it meant the world to me. And at this point, you know, he had already been on my radio show. So it was neat to actually hang out with him in person. So in the conversation, one of the things we discussed was Bobby's sweet mother, who I believe now is 100 years old or she'll be 101 pretty soon. And she was so happy to go back home. I don't know if she was in the hospital or if she was in some kind of center to help her like get back to health, but she was not home for quite a while. And he said that when he picked her up to take her home, him and Denise could only smile because the whole way back, she was singing that song, I'm Coming Home. And I asked, how long of a drive was that? And Denise laughed saying, it was an hour drive. It was over an hour and, you know, but she was so happy that she was singing that song the whole way home, coming home. And so that sweet story always kind of stuck with me, you know, and then Bobby, while sharing this heartwarming story about his mother saying the song, he sang just the chorus part. But, you know, I, it was such a nice treat for me that people watching him on stage did not get to see. I knew I wanted that to be part of my tribute to Dave Black, so I explained the situation and asked Bobby, hey, look, my really good friend, one of my dad's best friends just passed away. He was a hero in our town, you know, firefighter, just a really good guy. I really would like if we're, you know, are you willing to play this song? And he did. The sweet man did just that. He went above and beyond And his wife helped too, Denise, you know, together they created this sweet video. So I will play this on Twitter and Facebook as well. And I will be working on a tribute video at some point. I will also play the sweet specially made song at the end of the episode too, because it's, it definitely is deserved. And, you know, Bobby Mackey was amazing and did that. I know he's a busy guy. So big shout out to Bobby Mackey and Denise Mackey as well. 
I really appreciate your time. And the end result was phenomenal. So appreciated. So, all right, everybody, here is that interview between Dave Blagg and myself from a few years back. I really hope you enjoy because I did. And just to hear this man's voice, he has so much passion and love and, oh, I I just miss him so much. But anyways, you guys, here he is, Dave Blagg. 35 years on the job. That is just so amazing. Dave, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for inviting me around. It was nice to go to the old museum where I used to work when I came on the job. That is just something else. I didn't even know that you were, you know, I knew you were a firefighter, but I didn't know that you worked at that actual firehouse. I'm sure, how many firehouses did you work at? Well, when you're a boomer, when you first go on the job, you, you go and fill in for people on vacation. And uh, that was kind of my main station, so uh, they would call me out of there and I would go fill in for people when they went on vacation. And I, I mostly worked on the south side of Pueblo, uh, river separates the town. And uh, uh, I worked on the south side, you know, for the first few years. And then when I made medic, uh, uh, I, I, I worked on the south side and that's where I grew up and eventually became captain and worked at the fire station in the district where I grew up. So it was uh, interesting work. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Being a firefighter, I'm sure you've seen, you know, you've had so many odd experiences. Any experiences that you want to talk about? Well, gosh, you know, you could go on forever. I mean, it's just, uh, you see everything, you see, you know, tragic things. I mean, and after a while, that builds up on you, and that's why I finished my career out at the airport because I got where I, was, I knew a lot of the people that were dying or their family, you know, their parents. Yeah. And it's not like on TV, uh, uh, you don't save everybody. And uh, it's gotten a lot better because paramedics, we, we are able to do things now that we couldn't when I first started. When I first started, we basically had a first aid box and uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was advanced first aid. And the way I got working on it, I used to fill in a lot, was because I was a swimming pool supervisor and I had my uh, first aid card. So uh, oh, wow. I watched it grow and helped it grow. We were, we were the uh, first department in the state of Colorado to have an EMT program. Really? Yeah, a very progressive chief. And I was in the second class that was given for that. It was, uh, I watched everything grow over the years, and it's, it, it, like I said, I, I spent 35 years in the most interesting work. There, there were funny things that would happen. There were, you know, there, was, there were things that would make you laugh, you know, and, and then it was kind of like the movie MASH. There were a lot of things that can't be re- repeated to the general public because you would say things, and, and it's totally inappropriate. And, and probably now, if somebody found out about it, they'd fire you. Right. You know, if there was an open mic or something. But that was how you coped, because we didn't have the psychologist. We didn't have all that. Uh, we, we had to self-medicate, usually with alcohol. Uh, right. The next day. You would run on people. And, and uh, I remember one time uh, when I got to be a captain and uh, the paramedic crew, 
took the fellow we were working on and his little kids. I was calming them down and I said, yeah, your daddy's going to be all right. He's going to be all right. The next day, the, the paramedic and I had a meeting to go to in Denver. And I said, uh, I asked the fellow, I said, Ed, what happened to what happened to that guy last night? What was going on with him? And he goes, oh, he says, he died. Oh, no. And, uh, you know, they, and then you remember the kids. And uh. It wasn't so much dealing with the people that I had a problem with that, that were injured. The families? It's the family. Uh-huh. Because, uh, you know, you go to Thanksgiving dinner and you say, uh, you get there and the people are going, hey, save grandma, you know. You generally know within a few minutes if you're going to be able to do that or not. Sometimes you would you would continue doing CPR and, and take them you know take them out in the ambulance and send them to the hospital just so the family didn't you know see that moment of death and know that was what it was. Yeah, it was, it was bad that way. But then you had the other things that were good. Like uh, we got a phone call one time and my uh, firefighter jumped up and got the house phone. He just got off the phone. He says, "Hey, we got a guy coming in." Uh, man and a woman coming in with a dead baby. Hmm. About that time, they beat on the door, and they opened it up, and the guy handed me this uh, little kid that was not breathing, and they did CPR on it, and the baby lived and was fine. Well, the guy owned a bakery here in town, and so every shift that I worked there (laughs) afterwards, he was bringing uh, pastries by, and cakes and pies and everything. And I finally had to tell him, hey, I really appreciate it. And I says, well, you know, I'm going to be a diabetic if you keep bringing all this by. So, uh, you know, there were there, there were a lot of good experiences like that. Uh, it's it's a rewarding job. Uh, it's a uh, it's quite a career. And then, you know, I think I, I told you about the ghost stories. Yeah, I want to uh, hear those again on yeah. you know for our listeners too. But I have to agree with you. You know, dealing with the family. That would be the hardest part for me, too, you know, because, yeah, you always, you know, that empty seat, you know, at the dinner table. And, yeah, yeah that has to be heartbreaking to. Yeah. It, it's amazing. It's uh, uh, my faith got me through a lot of it. Um, mm-hmm. My grandmother died on Thanksgiving Day. Oh, and my sorry. mother was never able to handle it well. And I'd seen so many dead people over the years, you know. I realize, you know, it's just it's just process. You know, we're not going to live forever. Heck, I might, you know, <laughs> I almost didn't. Uh, but it's not, uh, it, it's just all in the way you handle it. And it's hard. I mean, there's some people that don't do well with it. We had we had people that had to leave with a disability because they couldn't take it. They, uh, they did uh, uh, strange and odd things. And, and we didn't, you know, we probably started about... Uh, Oh, 15, 20 years ago, getting some psychological help for people after uh, after the international, our union was very important. They did research and they found that, you know, after some of these uh, traumatic events, firefighters were doing things like committing suicide or mm-hmm. committing murders or uh, doing a lot of strange things. And they did a study on it and they got help for them. And it, I was part of that process. I worked with the international and I worked with the state many years and it was just uh, it, was, it was rewarding in those ways you know I mean, we, we changed the way the country did the fire service and the fire service is really kind of odd now because that's kind of a it's not really the name for it it's the uh, rescue service because uh, 75 to 80 percent of our calls are 
medical calls now. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. things don't burn like they used to. They don't make them to burn. Unfortunately, the things that do burn are very toxic, and they and that's why firefighters are fighting for cancer bills and so forth. Because the old guys, they didn't get cancer when a, an old uh, something would burn because it was natural stuff. Yeah. And now all this artificial stuff, you know, you see that. So we have to have different gear. And, and uh, In fact, I, when I came on the job, we didn't wear air masks. And, uh, and you, you can't believe what would come out of your head when you went to a smoky fire. Oh, geez. So it was, uh, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was interesting. And then I was one of the first ones, uh, second person on our job to have a Nomex turnout gear. Luckily, one time when I, I got blown up and I'm blown out of a house, I was laying in the front yard and the captain looked at me and says, you all right? And uh, I looked at myself and I was smoking and I go, well, if you're not in heaven, I'm fine. <laughs> you know, but, uh, oh, man. But the Nomex, you know, saved me, and that was something that, it was an exciting job. It was, uh, things changed and got better and better and better, and the, the service is really, it's an interesting service. There's kind of a camaraderie all over the United States. I was proud that our local, our, our union, which I was the president of that for over 20 years, was the third oldest organized fire department, a unionized fire department in the United States. And mm. we helped start the International Association of Firefighters. Oh, and, wow. Uh, it, it's, it, that's how progressive Pueblo used to be. It was a, uh, Pueblo was a, you know, really a, a big player, but uh, it just hasn't grown over the years. And it's, uh, we have less firemen now than when I went on the job. Yeah. yeah, well, like police officers, I, you know, have always respected fire fires as well. So, yeah, definitely thank you for all of your service. Um, yeah, let's talk about some of those paranormal yeah. experiences, Dave. And- the first thing that happened at the station we visited tonight, uh, which was Station 3, and it was Old South Pueblo Fire Station, we had a 53 La France uh, fire truck. And this had to be in 19, oh, probably 75 or 76. We were all up asleep. The guys were up asleep. And all of a sudden, the, the fire engine started up the pumper and ran into the door. And all the guys slid the pole and what's going on and what happened and couldn't figure it out. And you have to call the assistant chief and and tell them, you know, you've had an accident at the fire station, and then they called the police to do an investigation and so forth. And so everybody's standing there dumbfounded, and the, the fire chief and the uh, police officer show up about the same time. And uh, they're telling them, the captain's telling them, you know, what happened. And the guy says, come on. He goes, that can't happen, you know. And pretty much anybody knows things about cars, you know, they just don't start up. Right. And especially fire apparatus because they have switches and so forth. The <laughs> it started up again and ran into the door. And uh, everybody's like in shock and they go, what, what's going on? And, you know, we couldn't figure it out. And there's a police report on it. I mean, they did a police report. Well, the mechanic shows up and he says, okay, what did you guys do? Tell me what really is going on so I can fix this truck. We go, nothing. We didn't do anything. And, he, and the policeman tells him, he says, no. He says, I was here and it did it. 
And he goes, oh, you firemen and cops all stick together. He goes, <laughs> he goes that can't happen. And about that time, it started up again and ran into the doors. And uh, <laughs> so they never did figure out what that was caused from, okay? And nobody wants to say, well, there's spooks in the place, you know. Well, there were several eyewitnesses to that. You know, it was just yeah. wasn't one person. No, so. no. And, and I mean, and it was and, and sober. <laughs> you know, it's over. So it's uh, that was that was strange. But the strangest thing that that ever happened there was uh, we were having a, an event that night and a, a dance or something. And uh, one of our one of my uh, good buddies uh, was a uh, officer in the union was taking a hose cart back and they had used it for an exhibition of something, some sort. I can't even remember what that was. It doesn't matter, but a hose cart's a big cart with wheels that had a lot of hose on it because back in the old days, the fire plugs weren't every block. And so you would get the hose cart and you would pull it out by hand and and uh, stretch the hose out to, to deliver water to the pumper from the fire plug. Hmm. So he was going to unload it. Well, at that time, they had this 1923 Model T Ford. That was the first chief's car on the Pueblo Fire Department. It was the first mechanic, mechanicalized vehicle, actually. And the fire chief had gotten killed driving it. Mm. was thrown out of it and was killed. Oh, that's horrible. And uh, many years down the road, uh, our union got the opportunity to buy it back, and we bought it. And it's, it's still in our collection now. Well, you saw the configuration, and you can you, you, you can tell you know how it was. But where we parked in the back parking lot tonight, they drove that chief's car out, drove it around, and went to the back of the fire station and parked it back there. Which is the fire station sits on the alley. Then there's a, a funeral home that takes up the rest of the block, and uh, so, so it's about a half block long from that fire station to the, to the next street, which is Evans. Then Rick went back to put his uh, put the hose cart in, and he backed his pickup truck up and was going to roll it off his pickup truck with another fellow. And uh, in fact, I think there were three guys there, and they were going to roll this thing off and put it away. And here comes a chief's car around the corner, and it comes down and drives into his truck trying to get back into the fire station. Oh, jeez. And, uh, and uh, there were... Uh, police report on that one too and actually uh, there were people that were sitting out on their apartment on the front porch and they saw the, the chief car driving across the parking lot and then turn out onto the street and make a 90 degree turn and uh, they go uh, they go they go aren't those firemen clever now they got a remote control car <laughs> <laughs> and it went down to Broadway which is the next street you know, about a half a block, and it turned right on in, not running into the curb or anything. It was almost like somebody was driving it. Wow. And went down and ran into the car. Well, I was at the function we had that night. It was, might have been fireman's ball or something. I'm not sure. Rick came in, and he was white, white as a ghost. And, and I go, what's wrong with you? Because he, he had had a heart attack before, and I was worried he might be having a heart attack. Uh-oh. <laughs> and he goes, uh, hey, you won't believe what happened. And he told he told the story. And they actually have a police report on it, and, and it was in a, uh, uh, there's some ghost uh, show that was on TV, and they, they did it. They did a run-through of it. 
And so there's a lot of you know answered questions on it, but uh, that was the two most odd things that I was around and, and close to being witness to, and witness part of one, you know, the first one. And and I can tell you the guys, the guys that uh, were there, they they're outstanding people. They were they weren't the kind that was uh, firemen always pulling jokes, but that wasn't a joke. That was that something really did happen. We don't know. Wow, it's amazing that nobody, you know, got hurt during that. I mean, it was amazing that that it was able to kind of turn and make uh, its turns. And, yeah, didn't it hit anybody or anything? So, I mean, yeah. that's pretty amazing. And, again, those eyewitnesses, which is awesome. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's not, it, you know, we had, we'd have weird things. Like, we'd be sitting in the fire station, and all of a sudden, we had these racks uh over at this one station that used to be, uh, they said it was haunted, and a hose would come out and fall on the floor, and you couldn't hardly pick it up and pull it out, let alone you know have it tumble out for any reason. But uh, that was that was one where you know nobody saw it come out of the hose, so we don't know how it you know got out and fell on the floor. We would just hear it, but all the guys that worked there would be out in front of the station and hear it hit. You know, they would just laugh and go, oh, you know, must be uh, our little ghost is playing tricks. But uh, these other two incidences had enough witnesses to uh, verify what happened. I mean, why it happened and what caused it to happen, you know, we never got a never got an answer on uh, for either one. We did a spirit box session and I asked, like, you know, what's your name? And I got a man come through saying Kevin, and this was upstairs past the line of duty and um, where the other, you know, the chiefs were right. and stuff. And um, he said Kevin, and then I got another man saying Peanuts. So I don't know. I was like, that sounds like a nickname or something, you know. And then there was another man who said um, Hayes, like H A Y E S, like a last name. So I was like, wouldn't that be something of three separate firefighters are talking, or maybe there's a Kevin Hayes who is known as Peanut. So, I don't know. Um, I just thought that was interesting. It makes me want to, like, definitely do my research and check yeah. out uh, what happened there. <laughs> you could probably do some research and find out. And it would depend. It would depend if it was under the city of Pueblo uh, when it happened, when, when this Kevin worked there, or if it was South Pueblo, because that was a separate entity at the time. Mm. That area was uh, South Pueblo, and that was uh, a different town at the time. I keep forgetting that, that it was yeah. a different town at the time. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, they had a lot of little towns, and, and it was over the railroads that caused a lot of that. That was, uh, I'm trying to remember the guy's name, the general, that laid out all those streets up there. But uh, it's when you drive through Pueblo and you go into those neighborhoods, you realize how wide the streets are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you realize, wow, they really were thinking ahead there. Unfortunately, all the building went downtown that got flooded, you know, back in 29 or whatever. 21, yeah. 21 floods, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so it, it's just uh, Palmer, General Palmer, was the one that laid out South Pueblo. Oh, wow. Yeah, General Palmer laid out South Pueblo and then part of Colorado Springs, too. So uh, it's just... Uh, but that—that's how it would be. That would be tough. I don't know if they would have records for that or not. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll have to just check it out. But yeah, so um, 
you know, Kevin Hayes or Kevin and Hayes, they're right. there. Yeah. And yeah. so, but you know, I really, I'm so glad you were able to join me tonight. I mean, you what a big surprise. 35 years on the job. I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive. So it was an honor to have you on here. And um, this is, I've had interviews before, but I've always called the person in. So you're my first person to be sitting right, right next to me <laughs> and to be talking with me. So, well, it was a pleasure. Yeah. Is there anything else you want to say? No, I just, I just, uh, you know, just want to say that uh, it was very interesting work. I learned a lot of the history. And in fact, I've got to give them some stuff. I wrote a, wrote a story on the history of the union uh, when it was formed and how it was formed. And it was just interesting work. And, you know, like I say, you can, I, the paranormal stuff, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's, it, it, I, I couldn't explain it, so all I can say is I don't know if I believe in it or not, <laughs> but uh, but it happened, and it's an interesting world out there, so I don't pick anything out of the realm. I've seen people saved, and I've seen people uh, that went through remarkable things and come out okay, so it's just it's interesting. So Anyway, Tess, it was, it was fun to do that with you, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. Well, you know, you're welcome. Um, you are welcome anytime to okay. come and talk with me. And you guys, I'm about to sign off and have a beer with my friend Dave here, so I'm going to let you go. Cool. <laughs> and that's a wrap. <laughs> cool. So you're my first guest to be just right there alive, with me. Alive. So that was cool. Well, when you deal with the paranormal life people. That is, yeah, it's very true. I some crazy stuff happening. So it was like, <laughs> and that's true, my friends. Life can be a crazy bitch. You know, I really did have such a great time with him that day. There you guys have it. Sweet interview between two dear friends, and I do really truly miss him. And again, I really do remember that day so clearly earlier that day it was beautiful and sunny and we had planned to go to fire hose company number three the haunted firehouse and they were having like this kind of fundraising thing happening and it was really really a neat thing and so my dad blag myself and my cousin we went to that and it was really neat. We were there for a few hours and Blag was kind of showing us some of the neat things there and it was really cool. And you know, Blag would often come over and hang out. And so that night after the fire station, it was raining super super hard and I had locked my keys in my car, I believe, and I couldn't get into the house, so I was like 10 minutes late on recording for the radio show, and unlike the podcast where I could record ahead of time, radio shows live, and it's stressful, and even though it was a fun experience, it was always so stressful. That day was just pretty crazy, but it ended up okay, and we got a great thing out of it and I just need to share a fun blag story real quick and it doesn't have to do with the paranormal or anything but I remember at one point blag I when my grandma died I found some recipes and I started just every year making all of her recipes that she would make during the holidays for people so you know kind of like grandma was still there uh keeping her alive if you will and so 
Uh, one of the things was the brownies. Uh, no, I'm sorry. One of the things was the fudge. And oh gosh, it was so good and creamy and rich and flavorful and decadent and so much more, you know, and you take a bite of it and you go, ah, yes, killed it. It's grandma Mary's fudge. And so my dad would have his friends, including Blag, over once or twice a week to play some cards. And um, so we wouldn't have to eat all of the fudge-filled calories. (laughs) We would, um, I would cut them up and put it out on the table for the boys. And Blag loved that fudge so much. There was a time, like, he would always say, like, when are you going to make me that fudge? I absolutely love it. I'll pay you to make it for me. You make the best fudge ever. And I actually, after he had passed away, I found a really fun video that I kind of forgot all about, actually. And it's a video. We were just on the boat, spending time on the, on the boat all day. And we were just getting back. And I found this uh we did this video because he was going on and on about the fudge. And I was like, oh, this is just too cute. I got to get a video of this. So here is the audio from Matt. Oh, Black, who makes the best fudge ever? Uh, uh, you do. <laughs> there you go. You, do you ought to sell that stuff. That's, I bet. I, 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 I go over the path. I go over the pass in the Monarch and I buy fudge there and it's not even close. Not even close? Oh, yours is melting a mountain. Well, I know what to make you for your birthday, for uh, Christmas this year. Yeah, Christmas. (laughs) And I did, guys. I did make it. This was last year. So uh, last year for Christmas, I made a huge batch. Didn't share it with anybody. Cut Cut it all up nicely. Gave it to him. And, uh... That was the last batch that I made. And I know next year, this this next Christmas when I make it, I will make it thinking about Blag. So, Blag, let's do a moment of silence for you. And we're going to end with Bobby Mackey's beautiful song, Coming Home Again. I really miss you, buddy. Rest in peace. Take it away, Bobby. Did you enjoy this week's episode? Listen to the others, you guys. They are all awesome. Go to Apple Podcasts, Deezer, Overcast, Podcast Addict, TuneIn Radio, Spotify. Basically, wherever you go to listen to your other awesome podcasts, you'll probably find Paranormal Prowlers Podcast. This week's 
Special city shout-outs go to Ashland, Oregon, Prior Lake, Minnesota, Mount Sterling, North Carolina, Fredericktown, Ohio, and Myrtle Beach, Florida. Speaking of shout-outs, you guys, got to give another huge shout-out to dear Bobby Mackey for singing this amazing song and for Denise Mackey for helping out with the recording part and making that beautiful video. You guys are amazing. And, of course, huge shout-out to my dear, dear friend Dave Blagg for taking time out all those years ago being on the Radio Show Now podcast. Love you guys so much. See you next week.